0: Be ordinary and let God make it sacred. That's what we're talking about today on Your Story with Melinda with my incredible guest, Danielle Strickland. She's been working with the marginalized for 20 years and she has strong words uh, for people who follow Jesus. Don't be lulled into apathy about the little choices that distract us from what God is wanting for us. There are things that enslave us and she's encouraging us to be free from those, to be free from those things that are keeping us from living in joy-filled life purposeful life this show is packed with amazing thoughts quotes about life about her books even about her book the zombie gospel you're not going to want to miss this show Danielle Strickland. So great to have you here. Great to be here. For stopping the studio because you're so busy. It's been a busy year. I was on your website checking all your speaking and things out. How do you do it? You know, if I'm not busy, I'm in trouble. So really? I have to make a choice. It's either busy or trouble. <laughs> that's awesome. You know, I was on your website, and I, there's a quote that you have on there, which I love. It says, to be ordinary and let God make it sacred. Mm. Talk to me about that. I love that. Because mm. I think in a world that's pushing people to be extraordinary, mm-hmm. to be, you know, the best, to be unique, mm-hmm. you know, all of the reality shows, all those kinds of things. Yeah. I love this. This stands out to me. Mm-hmm. Talk to me about that. Why is that if that... that like comment important it's kind of a strategy okay and so i feel like i mean it's a divine strategy Mm -hmm. if i can
1: say it that way it's like god specializes in taking ordinary things and making them extraordinary yeah so and it and also i feel like there's this cultural i call it the hercules myth where we're perpetually trying to ascend our human Mm -hmm. condition that's i mean that's hercules's myth right he's ascending his human condition But I follow a leader named Jesus who constantly descends and he descends into the human condition. So literally like one of Jesus's favorite like titles for himself is the human one it is son of man so he calls himself hey i'm jesus i'm the son of man or he'll refer to him in the third person which is a bit awkward but anyway <laughs> as the son of man and when you translate the son of man it literally yeah. it means the human one so jesus even though he was with god and was god and like had all the power and glory of the universe descends into the human condition but not out of like pity or mm. even like oh no or duty but out of joy It was just a really interesting idea. So Jesus is literally going around saying, like, hi, I'm Jesus. I'm human. And it's because the original creation of humanity, you know, it's been distorted, but it's actually sacred. Mm -hmm. So to be human, which is to be ordinary, to be authentic, to be yourself, to be fully alive as a human being on planet Earth is a sacred calling. Sounds a
0: little bit like the Jean Vanier kind of Yeah, works, sure. Right? Yeah, like Richard Rohr Richard stuff. I Rohr mean, I too. think actually yeah.
1: everybody is discovering mm-hmm. that there's something inherently beautiful yeah. about being human, and we've been trying to shake it instead of actually embracing it. Yeah. Um, so I feel like the embracing of our humanity is what Jesus kind of came to show us how to how to do. Yeah.
0: Uh, and so it's kind of that. I love yeah. that. Because then people, I think people can really access that and get that. Yeah. Because I think for a world where you know, the struggle of, you know, trying to be, you know, it um, has caused a lot of angst and worry and fear and depression, you know, because yeah, of, because the of that. exhaustion
1: of right. pretending.
0: Yeah. I mean, oh my gosh, like the exhaustion of like, what will people
1: think or like a fear based life or like this performance idea. Yeah. Uh, it's exhausting. I, I don't know how people, I mean, I think all we have is ourselves. Mm-hmm. And actually, that's the most beautiful thing we could ever have. So if we could figure that out, we could drop the pretense, we could drop the pretending, we could drop all the striving of trying to be something we're not, and just really be whole and full and true to who we really are.
0: I love that. Mm. Now, you have a podcast, DJ Strickland, the podcast. Tell me your most (laughs) compelling or challenging interview to date that you've done so far.
1: Well, I mean, I have a few favorites on okay. there. So there's a few of my I, – I interviewed a few of my favorite people just for my own
0: pleasure, really. <laughs> as, as I do, too. Okay. A lot of them are like, oh, that's a great person. I'm like, it's just right. a friend. <laughs> um, so I had – I mean, I
1: – oh, my – it's like a – well, so Melinda Tankard-Race, she's a hero of buying from Australia. She runs this organization called Collective Shout, which really organizes mm-hmm. ordinary people to begin speaking out against the sexual exploitation of our culture. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's extraordinary. She's extraordinary. So just like being able to sit, it was a really busy conference. We were both speaking at it and we found a corner and I took out a little <laughs> tiny great, recorder yeah. and we, <laughs> uh, but I, so that's one of my favorites just cause I love her mm. and she's such a champion for girls and for women around the world. Um, Tanis is a really good friend of mine. She's an indigenous Canadian, first nations uh, with the story like books are written about. I mean, wow. exploitation and oppression. I met Tanis on a street corner Uh, She had been selling uh, herself since she was 11, addicted to heroin, Mm -hmm. like obsessed sores, HIV pot. I mean, just the worst of the worst I've ever seen in all of my years working with marginalized, exploited women. And, And she has this miraculous story of transformation and she is now like one of the best, most excited, most optimistic, most hopeful leaders I've ever seen embracing sort of reconciliation and freedom. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I got her to tell her story and uh, I do put a warning at the front end saying like if you're squirmish or you know you don't want to hear about the realities of injustice and pain you may want to you know not listen to this interview because it's painful. But it's as beautiful as it is painful. So uh, that's one of my, I mean, she's one of my favorite people in the world. So
0: that interview is just, it's like, just like stellar. You have to check that out. Yeah. What do you love, Danielle, about uh, providing a platform for people to share their stories?
1: I think stories are power. Mm-hmm. You know, stories are the highest form of communication. Uh, you know, again, if we want to come back to Jesus, I think he's the best leader who's ever lived. He led by stories. Uh, because stories are transformational on so many multiple levels. So people can engage and uh, story unlocks uh, human potential. It unlocks the heart mm-hmm. even more than the head, although there's lots of understanding required. So I feel like stories are powerful. And um, and I always felt sort of guilty that I was sort of privileged to have these conversations with people And I always, every time I would have this conversation, I would want to share it. I mean, literally, I'd be like, (laughs) I wish everybody could hear. Like, one of the interviews was with Micah Borne, who's a spoken word poet. But the interview that I did with him wasn't about a spoken word poetry. It was about being African-American in America right now. And I was living in America as a Canadian, totally not understanding Mm -hmm. what that problem is. Like, I really, I just did not get it. And I said, Micah, could you just talk to me about being an African-American man in America right now. And I mean, that interview is, it's so deep and beautiful and authentic and real and honest. And so I'm so glad I just get to share it. Like I, I wish I was more disciplined in sharing like <laughs> yeah. every week or something yeah. like that. But just sharing uh, conversations I'm having, even with God and with myself yeah. and with others,
0: it's, it's a great joy. You know, I found Danielle in my life journey where it was always about sharing my story. Because that, that was sort of, I felt, honestly, like sort of this yeah. a guide sort of moving me in that way. And then there's a shift. Mm-hmm. You know, a number of years ago, I remember sitting down and I was journaling. God said, you know what? Your story is great. Your story is all about my story, our story together. But now it's time for you to give platform to others. Mm-hmm. And so it was a kind of, it was, I mean, I, I weave in my story within that. But I, I felt that sort of like... It's not that the time of you know sharing my story is done. It mm. was just that he, he was. It was really clear. I really felt him just say, "Now, after all these years, give opportunity for others, mm. um, and I'll put you in those places to do so." So it's been it's been really neat. Mm. It's just sort of that faithfulness. It's been you know me as a woman growing and developing in my own skill, and then seeing God say, "Great, and now you can offer this to others." So that's been which a real privilege. Is, yeah, and which
1: is another phase of growing. I think that's one of the biggest surprises when it comes to. Life and following God and and following mm. God is is that it's not this one thing that happens; it's this like thing every day that happens yeah. that you get to keep enlarging mm. your capacity and your involvement with the world and what yeah, God's doing. In the world, so you it, you know, it starts with your own life, but actually, this invitation is to so much more than you. Yeah. Uh, Which is an enlargement of you. So it's like this weird, because you think if I move into that and let go of me, I'm going to lose me. Yes. But literally,
0: you actually gain Gain. more of you. Yeah, that's good. That's a good lesson. I think that's the fear for a lot of people. So they they keep small Mm -hmm. because they think they're going to lose, you know, the opportunity they've worked so hard for. But I think God's, you know, God's always saying, you know, trust me. There's
1: more. There's more. Yeah. There's more.
0: 20 years working with the marginalized. You'd mentioned that Mm -hmm. just earlier. How did that happen? You know, I I, I meet a lot of people. People have a heart for the marginalized, for the poor. But where did that start from, like within your own story, Danielle, to then commit that much time and and your life and love to the marginalized people?
1: Yeah, I think a few key things. One is uh, the trajectory of my family comes from the margins. So both my parents were orphans of my dad was sold as a child, my mom was a foster care kid. Mm -hmm. Uh, The Salvation Army was knocking on doors in poor neighborhoods looking for kids that might want a more hopeful future and found both of them in different communities they f- literally both of them testified to finding finally a place where they could call home mm. in the church and in the Salvation Army and then they met each other and then started decided to like live a life dedicated to doing the same thing so that's kind of the trajectory that's like yeah. literally the that's my family origin story mm-hmm. uh which really matters yeah I didn't really realize how much that matters till, till much much later But that ethos, even the family heritage of, like, we came from the margins so that we could help people in the margins. So that's kind of – this is, like, this is how I think life works. Mm -hmm. I just – that's how I was, you know, raised. And then I had my own, uh, you know, uh, generational uh, addiction and pain and all that kind of stuff. And I landed sort of in this, like, terribly dark place of addiction and stuff as a teenager, 17 years old, in a jail cell. And again, Salvation Army, uh, visiting me, refusing to sort of let me go, if you know what I mean. Just sort of refusing to say, we agree that this is over. (sighs) They just wouldn't wouldn't agree, which I'm so thankful for, too. Then I was just like, oh, my gosh, let it go. Let me go. And uh, some sort of conspiracy. Yeah, I remember thinking, they're everywhere, they're everywhere. Anyway, and then God intervening, sort of reminding me, and this was a great, great help to me, is I really believed God was at least, if not angry, uh, perpetually disappointed
0: mm-hmm. in me,
1: uh, that I could never measure up to what was required of me, And which is a fairly religious problem. Mm-hmm. You know, people have this idea that we have to appease God or yeah. perform for God or pay back God. And uh, really warmed up to this idea that God has requires nothing from me except me and mm-hmm. that he loves me and that that love truly is unconditional. I, I think I still struggle every day with that idea yeah. that I can just be loved and love God and that would be enough. Um, but that idea turned something on inside of me mm-hmm. and that relationship with God began. And then I had a very formative, I mean, my own struggle with addiction and trying to get out of addictive um, cycles, I would say externally, but also internally. So, you know, you hear some stories and people are like, ta-da, I'm I'm free. Yeah, like, and for me, that's not, that's not how it happened. Mm -hmm. There was a ta-da, oh, I get it now. God's for me, not against me. God loves me.
0: Um,
1: But there was this long journey of trying to figure out how to overcome addiction and, and then there was this, um, I went away, I got special permission from my probation officer to go on a mission trip to Africa. And wow. while I was on that mission trip in Malawi, there was a famine going on. So I, may, I saw death and poverty like I'd never seen before. But also I accidentally ended up leading somebody into a relationship with God. And it's a really big, crazy, long, <laughs> it was the world's worst gospel presentation. <laughs> I can say that. Yeah. And the next day I realized that I realized something that would then change the trajectory of my life forever. And it was this. I knew God could save me because God could do anything. What I didn't realize is that God could use me to save someone else. Hmm. When I realized Hmm. that, it changed everything. So basically I feel like that was the moment where God saved me from myself and a Hmm. self-focused faith and a Hmm. God-can-do-anything-for-me sort of existence and then I just looked for the quickest path I could find that would get me to make my life about helping others. And for me, that was the Salvation Army.
0: Wow. So that's how that happened. I mean, that's kind of. that Yeah. I love how that works. I mean, I, because you would think that, you know, in, I, I mean, I think what I love, there's so many things in that story, but I think. Hearing the Salvation Army say we're not going to give up on her, Mm -hmm. that's huge. Mm -hmm. You know, I say that to a lot when I go and speak at churches or groups of women, men, whatever. I'm like, you know, don't give up on people. Mm -hmm. It's so easy. The world does. Mm -hmm. You know, we do, but we can't Mm -hmm. because I think there's so many people that we have given up on. And they had so much opportunity um, and possibility. And we, even as followers of Jesus, gave up on them. Yeah. It was too hard. It was too messy. Yeah. They didn't look like us. It's they didn't too speak late. like us. Yeah, it's too late. Mm-hmm. Uh, they'll always be like that. Well, yeah, maybe they will be. Mm-hmm. And they could be. Mm-hmm. But that's, that's the, I believe, sort of the, the hard work mm-hmm. of community of following Jesus that way, you know, with, with our people, mm-hmm. you know, with our brothers and sisters, you know. Well, and that's one of the other
1: amazing things for me has been as I've been trying to help people on the margins, what's actually been very apparent to me and become very clear is that the margins, people on the margins have been the most help to me Mm -hmm. and have rescued me from all kinds of dominant cultural oppressions like complacency and like apathy and like indifference Uh, and like sort of this idea that it's too late and it's too hard and it's not my problem and you know from cynicism and from despair And um, all of those things have been gifts to me and I, I you know lots of people will say this and it's hard for people to imagine because we have this narrative of me with all my skills and abilities are going to go help the poor. Uh, but in a kingdom framework, Jesus says this really clearly, it's the opposite. Mm-hmm. actually I need the margins to help me understand what it means to be human yeah. and to be ordinary and to just be who I am and to be authentic. if you're if you're lacking honesty in your life, Go to the margins. Mm-hmm. You'll have a quick a quick study, a quick study in honesty. Yeah. Uh, if you're tired of like pre- pretense and everybody having facades around you, head to the margins. Mm-hmm. You'll find some people living real life yeah. and the pretenses are gone and there's nothing pretending anymore, nothing pretentious. Maybe just have like a real honest, yeah. authentic conversation and find your own humanity again. Yeah. So for me, it's this mixed, yes, I want to live a life that's focused on others, and I find a draw to the margins, I think, because in the margins, there are these incredible opportunities for me to discover my own true humanity. Yeah. So the gift has been – I mean, I can't out-give folks on the margins. It's just impossible. I've yeah. tried my whole <laughs> life, and I keep winning. Yeah. Like, I, and I, I It's <laughs> this awesome. weird thing, but I keep getting more than I yeah. give,
0: for sure. You know, Danielle, how do you – I mean, it, it, it's so beautiful to hear your story. And I think about people around me, even myself and culture. I feel like we've been lulled into – you know, apathy and a lull into, I don't know, I don't know what, you know, the marketing um, machine, whatever it is. I feel like we've kind of lost touch with our own humanity because of where we're at, you know, the world that we've created for ourselves and our family. How do we, maybe, maybe I'm asking for myself, how do we, you said to get to the margins, but what can we do to, I think, really come alive, to mm-hmm. really follow Jesus in that way, because I think if if a lot of us did do that, the world would be very different. Yeah, you know. Yeah, I think you know. I had
1: this dream. I always wanted when when I, I read all these biographies of amazing Christians when I was uh, new in the faith, which really in the end ended up being a blueprint for me uh, in many respects on what it meant to follow Jesus. So I had these like crazy off the charts, like you know, not normal <laughs> examples that I was like that's normal like that's the way yeah. you do it and so I always wanted to just like literally like go live in a bush in Africa and like save a tribe or something
0: because <laughs> uh, everyone knows God loves missionaries more yeah. you know that was kind of the idea well I grew up in a missionary family so yes we knew right. that
1: <laughs> so and I remember being stuck like in Canada in this rural village in northern uh, northern BC and I went to bed and I had this dream and the dream was that I had walked through this doorway and there was the spider web but I hadn't seen the spider web so I walked through the spider web which is horrifying enough Mm -hmm. but also there was this big fat hairy spider that bit me and I didn't realize it but when I got into this room I immediately became completely exhausted like I needed immediately to lie down and then ta-da there appeared this cot and I lied down on this cot and as soon as I lied down on the cot my whole body became paralyzed So I was, like, awake, but I was paralyzed. I couldn't move. Mm. And then from all four corners of the room came thousands and thousands of spiders. Be calm. It's Mm -hmm. just a dream. Everybody starts (laughs) panicking at this point. And I'm panicking at this point in the dream, and I'm completely consumed by these thousands of spiders. Uh, and I wake up, and I'm horrified. And I do what everybody would do. I rebuke the dream. Like, I say, like, go back to hell where you came from, because obviously <laughs> this is from the devil. Because, yeah. like, hello, spiders, spiders are from the yeah. devil. And uh, also, like, you shouldn't die in your sleep. I don't know if it's in the Bible, but it's definitely in a movie.
0: <laughs> so I'm, Some like, like, Indiana Jones type movie. Yeah, I'm, movie. like, everybody, like, this is a bad dream, right?
1: But it it's keeping me awake every night, every night. So I finally call in all my, like, secret charismatic friends. Because when you're in real spiritual sure, sure, trouble, yeah. you yes. have a... You, know, you call them. You call yeah. the secret so get, team yeah. in. You know, like the the seals, the, the spiritual <laughs> Navy seals. And uh, anyway, so I call them and I say, "Guys, you got to help me. Like, there's this, this devil's attacking me through the dream. You know." So they pray and it doesn't work. And then I resort to like literally sleeping with a Bible under my pillow and doing ridiculous things like anointing my pillow with like holy oil. I don't know. I'm doing anything to try to sleep. And uh, finally, one of these women says to me, "Have you asked God for an interpretation of the dream?" and i was like well duh i think it's pretty obvious like i was yeah. like no that's yeah. ridiculous i die in the dream yeah. the interpretation's death you yeah. know and she goes no i really think you should ask god mm-hmm. so i did i just i finally was like fine i'll do anything right so i asked god and god says yeah the dream is that the, the spider is a cultural dominant spirit of comfort and wealth mm-hmm. and what it does is it, it makes you tired spiritually it puts you to sleep And if you give in to the dominant spirit of culture, uh, of wealth and um, comfort, you will fall asleep spiritually and you'll be consumed not in some blaze of glory battle. You won't be consumed like fighting some massive worthy opponent. Mm. You'll be consumed by tiny little things that do not matter, like what color you paint the walls of your living room, Mm. (laughs) right? Like what kind of coffee you prefer. Like, what worship style is the best one? Or like, what your sanctuary looks like? Like, I mean, literally thousands of things that will come and consume you. Mm -hmm. Now, on a regular day, if you were awake and you were functional and your body worked, you could take on even a thousand spiders. You could probably take them on, right? If your life depended on it, we are proportionately bigger than (laughs) that stinking spider. But if you can't move, if you're paralyzed, if you've been put to sleep by a culture of comfort and wealth, you can't, you can't. So I said to God, I don't want to, I don't want to die that way. I don't want to die that way. I don't mind dying in a blaze of glory, but I'm not going out in a thousand different spider bites. So what do I do? And I felt like God said to me, Danielle, wake yourself up. Now, this is a really interesting oh. thing in scripture too, is, you know, there's a wake, there's an awakening and yeah. the waking up. I mean, Jesus even says, it's like, wake up, oh sleeper, like yeah. rise, rise from the time God. is yeah. now, like the kingdom is here, like mm-hmm. wake up. So I asked him how I wake myself up in a sleepy culture. If I've been bitten, infected by this spider I didn't see, mm-hmm. how do I stay awake? And then he told me this other story of when I was working nights at a shelter and I was driving home and I kept falling asleep on the highway. And I would do the most the weirdest things. Like I would, like, pinch, pinch myself. Pinch yourself, yeah. Or slap myself. Yeah. You know, every now and then somebody will say, why don't you just pull over? And I was oh, like, I,
0: I scream sometimes. I'd be like, ah! Like I'd yeah. physically like, ah! Yeah, or just turn the radio, my, radio up really loud. And
1: the air conditioning. Well, what I did, this was winter in Canada, oh. and I did the very un-Canadian thing. <laughs> you know, this is like the dumbest thing in the world if you're Canadian, and you know better is I wound the window down, stuck mm-hmm. my head out the window mm-hmm. to kind of try to keep myself awake yeah. because I didn't want to die on the On road. the highway, yeah, on the road. But I wanted to get where I was going. And literally, I felt God say to me, do that. Now, this is where it gets back to the margins. You – embracing discomfort is a means by which we wake ourselves up. We do this naturally, physically. We pinch ourselves. We slap ourselves. We turn up the music too loud. We embrace cold. We no normal person does do that. do that, right. But you do that when you know the stakes are high and you want to stay awake. And so I felt like God said to me, do that. Do things that are uncomfortable for you. Do things that are, like, discomforting, which is all those, like, even spiritual disciplines like fasting. You want to wake yourself up? Try fasting. Yeah. In a quick hurry, I'm telling you right now, your <laughs> body is going to wake up and start screaming at you like you're a fool, right? Mm-hmm. Like yeah. something's going to disturb the force. Yeah. Uh, it serve the poor, like go say hi to your neighbor. That'll wake you up. Like all of these things that begin mm-hmm. to jar you. We've 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 been we've been believing this lie that those are the things we should avoid because of comfort and yeah. wow. you know, but yeah. actually those are the very things that are agents of awakening in our lives. And if we can wake ourselves up, we can actually fight some battles
0: that will matter. That is powerful because I think a lot of people are asleep. And I think whether they know it or not, yeah. I, that is such a good reminder because there is that part, you know, I sit with friends and there, there's this angst. There's this, you know, underlying current of like something's not right. Mm-hmm. How do we change that? What do we do? Mm-hmm. And. You know, and we're followers of Jesus. We've had our ups and downs. We've gone away, come back to him. But I think that that's a really good reminder because I think we need to wake ourselves up. Yeah. Yeah, we must wake ourselves up because I don't want to live a life, and even in Christian ministry, to be asleep. And to think that I'm awake, but really I'm actually in a lull and sleeping and could not necessarily do more. But I think, you know, in that place, I've even been lulled into that comfort.
1: Yeah, and you know? even I think one of the signs of this, like, sleepy culture in our own spirits even is when our whole entire life revolves around us. I mean, yeah. it's just small. And we realize if you're really being honest with yourself, the amount of time and energy you spend on things that don't matter. And, right. um, and so even that, you know, like I, I kicked off this uh, movement called Amplify Peace with a friend of mine. And it, it seeks to mobilize women as peacemakers Not peacekeepers, peacemakers. So we mean to stir up peace, Mm -hmm. both globally but also locally. And one of the strategies is these nights called storytelling nights. And the idea is that uh, listening is one of the great keys to changing the world. Mm -hmm. Now, not just listening to people that are just like you, but learning to listen to voices that you never actually hear. Yeah. And uh, it's been really amazing as groups of women in communities, like in the States and Phoenix, my friends got together and invited an undocumented immigrant to come and tell their story because they realized that the only story they had heard was this narrative on the Mm -hmm. news, but that actually they didn't really even know anybody. That they knew that were undocumented and had a story. So they invited them to come and tell their story. Amazing. Uh, they invited some refugee families to come and tell their story. They invited some Muslims to come and tell their story mm-hmm. about what it means to be, you know, they, and they took the other, yeah. you know, that have been sort of objectified or whatever and brought it into space. Now, you know what that did? It woke everybody up. Yeah. It woke can everybody imagine. up. Not mm-hmm. difficult. It wasn't like they had to do some stunning activity. Mm-hmm. They just held a storytelling night and invited voices to speak and taught everybody around them how to listen intentionally uh, to really understand yeah. and that that understanding can unlock something, relationship and learning, and we could all live differently and we could make a better world. Amazing. So it becomes this awakening agent. So I think things like that, like it doesn't always have to be rocket science. It just has to be intentionally just uncomfortable. But in that space of uncomfortableness becomes – one of the most transforming
0: and awakening
1: agents uh that we could do
0: so good i'm learning so much from you now i know we're supposed to talk about your books right right details details (laughs) Details. oh yeah those details um something fun i'm going to do and we're just going to go a little longer on this um so you've written five books yeah i'm going to say the name of it and i want to give you a you need to give me a sentence on what they're about yeah or why we should get them gotcha okay First, Boundless. What was that about? Boundless.
1: I wrote with my husband. Uh, we've been married for 23 years, and we started uh, Boundless as a song. It's tattooed on my wrist. It's ah. a song by the founder of the Salvation Army, William Booth, mm-hmm. and it talks about the nature of salvation as this boundless ocean of love mm. that's going to redeem the world. Oh, so this whole entire that... tattoo yeah. and how I start, how I got my first one, is in that book. Okay. Why and what it means to live a boundless uh, life with God. Awesome. Okay. Okay. A beautiful mess. A beautiful mess, yeah, is this idea that we're all scared of chaos uh, because we think chaos is an enemy. But Mm -hmm. in the first creation account of the world, the Holy Spirit, God, as a dove, a form of a dove, it says that uh, God hovers over the chaos and out of the chaos creates life. Mm -hmm. So maybe instead of hiding and fearing and avoiding chaotic places, we could go near them and see what God might want to create, including in our own internal lives. Okay,
0: good. Mmm, this one I love the liberating truth.
1: Yeah, this is yes. this book is about how Jesus empowers women. Yes, and how the empowerment of women is actually one of the greatest um, things of our generation, mm-hmm. like one of the greatest needs, and how the gospel truth of who Jesus is and what He came to do and the greatest needs of the world meet, yeah. and
0: that is world changing truth. So that's awesome. the liberating truth. Love that. Mm-hmm. Um, the Zombie Gospel, which my husband Chris is like, mm, I want to get that one. Yeah, the Zombie, the zombie gospel. gospel
1: is a weird one because it's a bit of a niche. You know, like yeah. if you
0: don't watch The, the Walking, Walking Dead, Dead I
1: right. usually say, Ma, I yeah. don't know if you want to read that book. And then my friends will say, Should I watch The Walking Dead? I'm always like, Ma. <laughs> 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 I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not trying to advertise for The Walking Dead. But what did happen was The Walking Dead was a cultural phenomenon. It was the most popular show for like seven years in a mm. row. Millions and millions and millions of people watch it. So I usually say, Surely, out of all those millions of people, there's someone (laughs) that might want to read that book. (laughs) And uh, I read it kind of like a challenge. I I watched the show kind of to try to understand what was going on Mm -hmm. as a social phenomenon. And as I watched the show, it became very clear to me that what I was hearing was a cry of a generation. And the cry was really, what does it mean to be human? And so that book came, literally, I wrote the entire thing on a flight without any punctuation because I had an iPad, I was typing on an iPad it came like out of me as this like what does it mean to be human mm-hmm. and how do what are the, these questions that are so profound that this generation's asking because we have this tendency to think they're not interested in God you know and, and this is a really interesting theological idea is we spent a whole generation trying to convince people that Jesus was God but this generation's task is to convince people that God is Jesus mm-hmm. and Jesus shows us, what it means to be human. Yeah. So it might be the most important generational
0: cry meets truth that uh, we can get to. Good. Uh huh. Okay. And then the ultimate exodus.
1: Yeah. The ultimate exodus is this long journey I've been on trying to understand freedom and mm-hmm. oppression and how to get people free. Mm-hmm. So my own personal journey, this is actually such a big deal to me. I named my youngest son Moses. That's really, how committed eh? I am to oh, wow. the this yeah. story, yeah. And he already knows how to say let my people go and stuff, so we're good. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but it's really about how we get free and stay free and be people who help other people get free.
0: Yeah, and I like that because I think it's that, you know, the whole sort of tagline is, you know, the ultimate excess, things that enslave us, um, you know, and I think that's, that again in, in our conversation earlier about the things that sort of keep us back from mm-hmm. really being free from, yes. you know, from that are keeping us asleep. Yeah. You know, and I Finding think... Finding
1: freedom from things that enslave us. So, and that this process is not just external. It is, like human trafficking is mm-hmm. happening. It's the fastest growing crime on the planet. Uh, people are for sale. The, the, the slave trade is alive and well on, on, on planet Earth. But also that, that somehow there's an internal slavery that's connected to that external reality. Mm-hmm. And those making those connections is p- part of the secret of the exodus. Is that there's an internal is that's connected to an external Exodus? Yeah, we need them both. Amazing. Mm-hmm. Where can we get all these books? Yeah, probably DanielleStrickland.com is the best place to go if mm-hmm. you're looking for those books, and there'll be links uh, to those books. You can get them on Amazon, I understand, or Kindle, or like wherever where books are we're sold. sold. Yeah, yeah. just stay yeah. the
0: show, Danielle. You know, again, as a Christian woman, wife, mom, speaker, author, blogger, podcaster, encouragement for those who are really. A couple of things, you know, struggling sort of with sort of their meaning and purpose. I mean, they look at maybe us and go, wow, you know, they've got all these things they're doing. They've got a platform. I don't. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, they struggle. It's like they're not measuring up. Or women who are just tired, haggard and going, man, life is tough and hard. Mm-hmm. Kids, marriage, career, trying to balance it all. Mm-hmm. What would you say to women and men that are just in that place of discouragement mm-hmm. and not finding this joy and freedom um, in their in their relationship with Jesus?
1: I think the first thing I usually say, especially when it comes to women and the question about balance, is that there is none. Mm-hmm. That balance is a myth. Uh, so there's a chapter in the Liberating Truth called "Exposing the Balance Myth." And the reason I say that is because when we say what we want is balance is what we mean usually when we actually probe a little further is we want a perfect life where everything's held in perfection. So we have perfect homes and perfect children and perfect marriages and perfect jobs and perfect uh, friends. <laughs> right. and, and that actually doesn't exist. There's, there's nobody living that life Um, So one is to expose that that's not actually what you want. Mm -hmm. Now I looked everywhere in history and all through the Bibles for perfectly balanced people that did things for God. I could not find them. Mm -hmm. As a matter of fact, the only things I found were unbalanced people, Yeah, like literally unbalanced people, like certifiably (laughs) unbalanced. So here's what I did. I stopped aiming for uh, something I couldn't achieve. I stopped aiming for this myth of balance, and I started aiming for rhythm and for meaning uh, and, and recognizing seasons, yeah. so this is sort of in that beautiful mass book. There's a lot of that in there. Is is there's? I started aiming for light, living in light. I started aiming for like land, foundational things that would keep mm-hmm. me true. I practice this thing called a way of life. Every day I start with a beautiful posture prayer, uh, and it's a way of following Jesus, but not just like with my mind, but with my life practice. So I make it a practice every day. It's the weirdest thing. The more I practice following Jesus, the better I get at following Jesus. It's a weird thing. but So I practice this thing called infinitum for sacred rhythm in my own life. So I'm looking for rhythms. I'm recognizing seasons in my life. Mm-hmm. So I'm not trying to achieve every single thing right now. I'm just trying to be like a really good mother today. I'm trying to really follow Jesus today. I'm trying to use and and offer my gifts to the world today. So, however that is, that's where I check off. Wow, I see God today. Wow, I'm doing amazing today. Wow, this is what. And whether that's like being friends with a neighbor, or helping some woman on the margins, or just reading my kid a bedtime story and like spending some time at night, I'm checking off all those things yeah. as a beautiful, full, whole life. Um, so, those are some of the I think the rhythms. Uh, really being intentional about practicing rhythms that are life giving, not only to you but also to the world. Mm-hmm and then also being uh, ordinary and also recognizing that there are seasons in our life. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I think it's good especially for women, right? Yeah. There are seasons body experiences, opportunities, career empty nesters, all that kind of thing. We, right. we we need to give much grace to ourselves because, you know, we're not going to be the same at 20 right. as we are in our 40s, right. 50s, 60s, right? God God forbid I'm the same. <laughs> I want to be yeah, changing exactly. all the time. I think right. about my 20s. I'm like, whoo, Right. You know? Right. Danielle, thank you so much. What a wonderful conversation. There's so many more things I want to talk to you about. But I know for our, our listeners and our viewers, they can go to your website yeah. and check out your blogs and all that kind of thing and where you're speaking and, and uh, come and hear you and get your book. I'm going to make sure I get the zombie gospel for sure. fantastic. (laughs) So thanks again for being here. You're welcome. Wow, what an awesome episode. You know what else would be really awesome? Subscribing to my show. So click that subscribe button on YouTube or search for Your Story of Melinda on your favorite podcasting service to download the show weekly to your mobile device.